to get children from other countries. It's rare, but when we do, sometimes difficult to please. To make quite a connection. My name is Esther. What's yours? that brought her to America died in a house fire. A fire? Well, Eva, we just don't know that much about her. I mean, well, she's been lying to me this whole time. What did she tell you? I think there could be something wrong with this. I have a special surprise for you, Mommy. Esther! What did you do? I don't understand. How can they have no record of her being there? I knew how you'd react. Everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike and Joanie Man. As always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, underdeveloped psychopaths. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Mike, especially after uh, a couple of days filled with some pretty awesome movies. I may not necessarily be talking about the one we're reviewing today, but I've had two or three days in a row of watching some awesome movies. I'll talk about it on one of my other shows, but yeah, I'm in a really good mood today. Let's see if it continues. Yeah, I hope you'll be talking about it on this show, just because everyone's always in a better mood when they like the movies, so <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out soon. Also joining us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? Yeah, what's going on? Always great to be here. All right, and then welcome back to the show. It's been a while since we've had a guest, and this person is a returning champ. Welcome her to the show. It's Lacey Lou. What's up, Lacey? Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been a long time. I can't even remember the last movie I did with you guys. Hmm. Yeah. I only remember that you you and Dan were our very first guests on the show, so you'll always have that distinction. But yeah, yeah same thing. I don't remember the last time you were here. I think it might have been that fucking Judy Greer movie. No, you were on here for, um, what was it, uh, the vampire film with uh, Caroline Williams? Oh, tw- ten, 10 minutes to midnight. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. So it's been a year. It seemed like, it seemed like for a while, you guys, it was like every January, and it was always a movie that you guys didn't like. <laughs> and most of the time, none of none of us liked, so nope. <laughs> it was like luck of the draw. Right. Because uh, I, don't, I don't even ever think it was like, hey, come on to the show to talk about this movie. It was just like, hey, want to do the show? Well, what are you guys doing? This. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you guys walked out tonight because uh, Danos is passed out, so um, I have nothing to do, and you guys are always a good time, so here I am. All right, well, 
hopefully that includes the movie as well as far as a good time but we'll find out soon so as uh we said at the end of the last episode we are covering the prequel to orphan which is orphan first kill now orphan is long enough uh, ago that we did not cover it on this show before so i don't know when we start going around for general thoughts if everyone wants to just like give a brief thought going in because i think with the the type of movie we got here especially how it relates to the first one maybe it might be relevant only because of how they kind of take this movie and you know i'll be able to explain that better once we actually get into it but uh yeah the synopsis for orphan first kill after orchestrating a brilliant escape from an estonian psychiatric facility esther travels to america by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family so General thoughts, I'll kick it to Venom first. As usual, what did you think of Orphan First Kill? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, b- before I get into First Kill, I do want to caveat that I do absolutely love the first movie. The first movie, um, I saw it in the theater. It was a gigantic surprise to me, as I'm sure it was to a lot of people. That swerve, that twist, very effective, very original. Um, you know, you go into the theater thinking you're getting, you know, a, a murderous child movie, and then you get you know, 30, 31 or 32 year old Esther, whatever she was in the original movie. So yeah, that's a spectacular twist. And now on to first kill. And this is another movie in the franchise where I came in pretty much thinking I knew what to expect. You know, I figured it was just going to be, you know, Esther's first adventure with a family with, you know, an attempted adoption where maybe someone ends up getting killed. Hence the title, by the way, I'm not a fan of this title, but I can't really get into it until we get into our spoiler section. So someone remind me that I don't like this title so I can explain why. Um, I had a really good time with this movie. I I genuinely had a great time. Um, It was great to see a very, Obviously, you know, digitally de-aged Isabel Furman, you know, she's now 25. She was 23 when the movie was shot. They completed the movie two years ago. So obviously it's a much taller task for a 23-year-old to play an adult who's pretending to be a 10-year-old as opposed to in 2009 when Isabel was, what, 13 or 14? Um, a lot easier for her to play that role. Maybe a little bit more difficult to do the adult parts after the twist, after Esther is revealed. Um, but I thought the original, I thought Isabel did great in the original. And once again, I thought she did great here. This is a great performance from Isabel Furman. It's great to see Julia Stiles back in the genre. I don't think she's done a genre film since what, the Omen remake, right? In 2006? No, she, I think she did a made for TV sci fi channel film. Like 2015 or 2016. I I don't remember. I'd have to look it up. Um, okay. I I think she did a Sci-Fi Channel film back then. I I don't know. Uh, give me a couple seconds. Um, I, I'll I'll refer to that at the end. But um, yeah, cool. I, I think I saw her in something like that. I'm not sure. Awesome. So yeah. Um, again, great performances all around. I thought Hiro Kanagawa as our detective did a great job. You know, he's maybe not in the film as much as I'd like to see, but he plays his role well. Everyone in this, everyone in the in the production really does a great job. The brother, the older douchebag brother, who has a very good reason to be a douchebag to Esther the entire time. But again, that gets into spoiler territory, so we'll save that. But um, I love the dynamic of this family, and then comes our twist and my friends this was an incredible once again i gotta give it to orphan again they give us a very 
serviceable and effective twist that I did not see coming in any way, shape, or form. And when when the twist occurred, it added just this great element to this movie. I, <laughs> there's, a, there's a certain movie from last year that I want to compare this to, but again, I'm not going to do it here because it might kind of give away a little bit about our movie, but when we're when they're in the middle of our uh, spoiler section, we'll talk a little bit about what this movie reminded me of. But yeah, um, you know, the score is there. It, it doesn't blow my mind in any way. There is licensed music in there. I think there's like one recognizable song in there. Um, during the um, fencing match, which I, oh God, I'll get into the spoilers. I'll get into that in the spoiler section. There are some scenes hey, in here that didn't there's, really. There's a recognizable there. song in the uh, in the uh, car <laughs> later oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah, movie. oh the hysterical one. That's right. I lost it yeah. when that song played. I'm, I'm pretty sure half the people that watched this movie lost their shit when that song started playing. But we'll get into that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I said, it's an okay score. It doesn't blow my mind. Um. Cinematography's fairly nice. They make Estonia look like a very dreary gray country, but that's probably kind of what they're going for since and Esther, you know, is so hard up to get out of there, to get out of that country since her reputation basically follows her. You know, the movie starts and everyone knows who this person is and what she does. Um, so, you know, obviously it's a matter of how does she get out? How does she infiltrate another family? How does she get America to America is um, that was one of the questions that I had after the first movie. How did this little girl or this not even a little girl? How did this adult from Estonia get to America? And this movie answers that question for me. And it answers it beautifully. Um, it's it's so believable, you know, so organic. It just absolutely works for me. So, yeah, um, the long and the short of it is I had an absolute blast with this movie. Really, really fun. Uh, is it going to be in my top 10 at the end of the year? I, I, I'm leaning towards no, because I've, I was actually looking at my list for 2022, and it's already got some heavy hitters on there, and we still have, what, uh, six, uh, no, four months to go in the year, five months to go in the year. So, yeah, we got it. We got some time. So, um, But, yeah, all in all, great time with this movie. I will definitely return to it, give it a watch. I did not rewatch the original Orphan before watching this, and I kind of regret that now. Unfortunately, you know, my last month or two has been taken up with the summer series over at the uh, podcast under the stairs, plus multiple other guest spots that I've done. Unfortunately, I just didn't have a chance to revisit the original, but I do love the original. And now I can say I love the sequel. So that's it for my general thoughts. Okay. And uh, real quickly, the movie I was thinking of was called Out of the Dark. Um yeah, it's a pretty generic haunted house film. A woman moves with her husband to a new job out in the countryside, and a house has a bad history. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So <laughs> that was the that was the one I was thinking of. It's generic, but uh, I've seen a lot worse. Um, okay. I've seen a lot better though too. So. Awesome. All right. Was this much better? Hopefully. <laughs> Uh, kind of. Um, so yeah, um, for my general thoughts, um, I'm not a fan of the original Orphan. Uh, I think the twist is the only thing it's got going for it. And other than that, uh, there's not much else going. I, I, I didn't really hate it, but I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I, I did um, actually rewatch this pretty um, close to uh, the film. And uh, it kind of made me... Um, it kind of highlighted one brief aspect of the film that um, I, I really can't go much further without um, overlooking. And that is they get the families wrong. 
the family in the original film is named the Sullivans. Um, in this one, they're known as the Albrights. I, I can't overlook that fault. Uh, that is one of the uh, easiest uh, continuity uh, retcons that you can look at, or if, I don't even know if retcons is the right word, but if the, in the beginning of the original, they say that she's the only survivor of the Sullivan family fire, or something to that effect. Hmm. And this one here, the family is called the Albrights. Right, but there's, I mean, you could kind of think that Esther potentially lied, and maybe oh no, well, that's who knows? The secret, maybe that's the Secret Service people. They're the ones when they when they place Esther in the family, they say that she's the only survivor of the Sullivan family fire, that's... which is the ending of this movie. And this one here, they well, give the family. Done it before. I mean, she could have. We don't know that directly after this, she goes to. But that. if she's, but I'm saying is that at the end of the movie, if we're to believe that the ending of this movie bleeds directly into the beginning of part one, then they get the family name mixed up. So. Yeah, yeah that, to me, that's an unforgivable flaw. Um, wow. it's not. It's not detrimental or anything, but it's an unforgivable. <laughs> yeah um but other than that can you, um, can you forgive it this one time don <laughs> he said unforgivable no because uh again i didn't have a lot of fun with this one um i didn't really care for a lot of what went down i don't think the twist is that great um i don't find it that enjoyable because nothing's done with it it's just sort of brought up and then Ten minutes later, they just drop it for a series of revelations to just set the third act in motion. And that doesn't really make it seem like it's all that big of a deal. Like, if you're supposed to play the twist out the way that this one does, it's supposed to go somewhere. And it really doesn't. It just is sort of popped up as a means of escaping. A, it just seems like they just bring it up just to, you know, set the third act in motion. And it doesn't really go anywhere. On top of that, the film isn't really that interesting. I've, a lot of that is because it doesn't feel like a horror film to me. This feels even less like a horror film than the first one did. And I had issues with the first one not feeling much like a horror film. So, yeah, uh, th this one's a tough one. Um, it, it, it is watchable. I, I don't, you know, hate myself for spending time with it. Um, it is fun and fast paced enough. And there is kind of like a cheesiness to what's happening here. But yeah, what, what genre would you place this in if not horror, like thriller? Somewhat. Um, well, the thing is, is that there's never really a sense that she's intent on killing to keep everything going, which is what the first one was. The first one was more about her killing those that were about to find out the secret, and then we find out the secret anyway, and then that just you know, it goes on from there. Here, she doesn't really do much killing. I mean, she doesn't really do much of anything until, once she gets to America. I mean, yeah, she, you know, she starts killing to get to America, but then once she does, she doesn't really do much. You know, she just stands around painting pictures and, you know, looking longingly at the dad, and that just doesn't really read horror to me. So, yeah, uh, she kind of doesn't feel as malicious or as evil as she did in the original. So I, I, I kind of don't have the sense of fear of her that I did the first time around. 
But even with that, all that and said, uh, yeah, I, I still don't hate the movie. I, I'm just not really that high on it. So, yeah, um, a cardinal sin committed in uh, keeping continuity in regards to the first one, a uh, plot twist that I'm not that high on and not a lot of horror going on. I'm not that high on it. So, yeah, for me, uh, didn't really care for this one that much. Didn't this movie have a way higher body count than the first one, if I remember correctly? Yes. Okay. Okay, but I'm trying to think back because how much of that is she kills at least three in the escape, and then there's... I'd probably say let's leave it at that for now. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Spoilery. That's what I'm saying. There's at least that's what I'm saying. There's at least three in the escape. And then there's another couple at the end, but then it's all at the end. So, I mean, yeah, if you're trying to keep it spoiler free, but yeah, it just seems like it's bookended, but then there's not much else. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if there is a higher body count, um, I, I didn't keep track, but she seemed a lot more malicious and evil in the original. So, I mean, to me, that's a that's, little bit. Well, it's like, really odd that you say that because in the original, we thought she was a child for more than half the movie. This movie, we know that she's an insane psychopath right from the start. And her her bloodlust, I mean, she she satisfies her bloodlust fairly quickly at the start of the film. And, and, that's, and that's, what said, to... the, that's what I'm saying. In the escape. I mean, I don't right. know how much of the, you know, how much of that is a spoiler, but for sure. that's in the escape. Once she escapes... She doesn't really have that bloodlust. Hmm. Yeah, we'll wait to the spoiler section because I'm actually going to disagree, but yeah, we'll yeah. leave it at that for now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Try not to be too spoilery, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'll leave it at that for now. All right. Well, in that case, let's kick it over to Lacey. Uh, general thoughts, and if you want to open with like brief thoughts on the first orphan, feel free. Well, thank you. Um... Yeah, I pretty much disagree with everything Don said, but I will counteract his point very soon. Um, uh, No, I'm a big fan of the original as well. Um, I remember seeing that and I was like, holy shit, this is happening. I love it. It's so unpredictable. And anytime you can pull one over on me without um, making me feel stupid or like it's not an obvious twist. And I thought it was done brilliantly in the first one. So anytime that a film can do that, because a lot of times these filmmakers try to do films that like, like the twist is so obvious and like, then they try to like flip it and it's just dumb and they, it makes it feel like you're a dumb viewer. Does that make sense at all? Mm-hmm. Some yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. And I, like, I don't like, I can't think of a specific example right now, but oh, I can. Okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, most most recently, bodies, bodies, bodies. It wasn't. Oh, that, that come was, on! It wasn't. Shut up, Mike. Shut up. It wasn't <laughs> that it was predictable. I'm not saying it's predictable. I'm saying it was stupid. It was a stupid twist that bothered the shit out of me and left me with a bad taste in my mouth. So that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> well, there you go. But I mean, like, it, it just like I, I don't like it when filmmakers think their audience is dumb, and uh, a lot of times they do that. And with the orphan, I never once felt that way. I just felt like I was going through the journey with them and the reveal paid off. Um, as for this one, this movie had no business being as damn good as it is. Um, I had 
like I like I was excited to see it, but like I literally had no expectations. I thought we were just gonna get kind of a run of a mill scene, Esther kind of do her thing again. And as Venom said, when they brought in that twist, you're like, Oh fuck, this is amazing. And um I can't say why it's amazing just yet, but it is. Um I love that they brought her back. I love that she came back. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of it, it's so unique to have something like this happen. Um and it's got to get its credit due for that alone. And um, I thought the the body count and the bloodshed was pretty immaculate. Um, it's way more intense than uh, the first one. And I mean, I feel like the first one, it plays more, that one feels more like mystery thriller because it's not as in your face as this one was. So like, I'm confused about that, I guess. Um, but and you can't even take away from Vera Farmiga's performance in the OG. Like, she's mm-hmm. phenomenal. You feel her pain. The little deaf girl. Everybody was phenomenal in that movie. And I don't know. Like, so I'm just, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I get it. But um, I thoroughly love it and enjoy it. And honestly, I really loved this movie. And I can't wait to get into spoilers. Cool. Um, yeah, so for me... Uh, the original Orphan kind of, uh, I agree, uh, it was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. I kind of watched it on a whim, like, hey, I got nothing else to watch, not expecting much. And uh, somehow, I, I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I don't know how I managed to not have that twist spoiled. Because when I went into it, I, I still didn't know. And I'm pretty sure I saw it like on VOD or physical media after the fact. Maybe just a ton of people hadn't seen it in the theater and word hadn't got around like it does nowadays with everything instantly. Um, but, man, and I did rewatch the first one because it had been so long. And I and I was, like, thinking, like, am I going to still think the first one was as good knowing the twist? But I actually did. And I it almost makes the character of Esther seem even more absurd because there's certain moments that you almost laugh at now, like not in a bad way. You kind of laugh with the movie because it's like, no, no way at whatever she was supposed to be 12 or something. (laughs) Not only should she not be saying these things, but the way she's saying them was like the confidence and context of the way an adult would say it. It's almost funny now because you're like, man, these parents really should have picked up on this a little sooner. That's But it, it it was still really good. I enjoyed it. And I agree with Lacey, like the, the deaf daughter and the protective brother. Like it was, I like, I don't agree that the first one was only good because of the twist. Like I actually think it just was a good movie. Surprisingly, it was a good movie. Now going into this one, I think I brought this up off, off air or when we weren't recording last time, that uh, I very much felt going into this movie kind of the way I felt going into The Boy 2. I was like, okay, we had this surprisingly good, interesting movie that uh, was had a really big twist on it. Now, the big difference to me is The Boy 2, and this is just my opinion, it made the huge mistake of going away from everything that made the first one what it was and tried to like almost retcon and say, no, it actually is this other thing going on where this one, no, this one was like, no, we're going to lean into everything that people liked about the first one and like amp it up. And we're going to give you another twist that you don't see coming. 
and just make it even more absurd. And I feel like they leaned into the absurdity in this one. There's like certain moments where there's no way that the way it's written and directed, they're not like laughing along with the audience because they understand, Hey, we can't just rely on the fact that Esther's an adult because everybody knows it. If that, if there's nothing more to this movie than that, it's not going to be successful. It doesn't mean the movie would end up bad, but you're not going to have that same, you know, it's not going to elicit the same kind of holy shit moment. This one, I'll say, I, I do like the twist. I don't think it's like jaw dropping like the original, but I still think it was pretty good. And the the dynamic it created between the characters from that point forward was awesome. A little kind of like cat and mouse like rivalry going on with it was cool. And I, I you know, I, I was very surprised that they managed to uh, make it this good of a sequel with, and I had n- very much, you know, not very much, very uh, high expectations. Cause my initial thought when it was announced was like, why the first one was such a good one-off that doesn't need it. But Hey, they proved me wrong. And I love it when they do. Cause a lot of times they don't, but this time they do. And uh, I, I, I even thought there was like a clever and creative nod to inform or something we learn in the, well, I guess I was about to say sequel, but it's actually the original. Something about uh-huh. the character of Esther and why she, why she does some, something in the original that gets revealed later on, where you see the roots of it planted in this movie. Um, and maybe in order to get that, you would have had to rewatch the original. Maybe not, just depending on how well you remember the original, but I'll bring it up in spoilers. But that to, to cap it off, because I've kind of been running on here. Yeah, I really like this one. Top 10. I don't know, but I'm not going to count it out as like a wild card pick at this point. We're only we're we're past halfway through the year, but I just had a lot of fun with it. And watching it a second time today just to kind of get a little refresher, I still had a ball with it. So I recommend this one a lot. And it's on Paramount Plus. So I know not everybody has it, but it makes it a lot more easily accessible. So I would say if you like the first one at all, watch this one. Yeah, um, absolutely. I I was really impressed with a lot of this movie. I actually went to the theater to see it just uh, just because I can. I guess it's playing out here in L.A. at theaters. I'm not sure if it's a nationwide release in theaters, but um, if you're going to give me the option to go to the theater, I'm going to take it because I fucking love the theater. And yeah, I had a really good time. The, the small crowd of people that were in the audience with us um, did seemed to have a really good time with the film as well. It seemed like it was mostly fans of the original. Um, we actually got a little bit of uh, applause when Esther slash Lena first shows up on screen. So obviously there were definitely some fans of the original there. So it was, it was, I still had a pretty good time with it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's vital. You watch it on a big screen. It, it, you know, the cinematography is not that great. The effects aren't that great that you need to see it on a big screen. And, you know, we, you've got the Paramount Plus option, assuming you're subscribed to Paramount Plus. But, yeah, man, I had a really good time with this. Um, I learned a lot. Oh. <laughs> wait, hold on. Um, yeah. yeah. Wait, I, I was going to say, uh, you mentioning the cinematography, was it just you guys or did this thing look unbelievably murky? Yes. It was oh, I, I made that comment earlier. <laughs> Yeah. I, I I wasn't I don't know I I, I I mean before we started recording when we were just kind of shooting the shit before oh, I mentioned yeah. how 
gray and grim they make Estonia look. And ultimately... No, I'm saying the whole movie. I thought it, everything looked like there was like a haze filter on it. It's slightly muted, yes, but it did brighten up once they got to America. Um, just a little bit. Because Estonia, I, I little, thought maybe it, there's it seemed something like wrong. it was just cloudy all the time. <laughs> I, don't know, I thought maybe it was something wrong with my connection or something. Because it looked like it was just unbelievably hazy. And I thought maybe like the oh. picture quality had downgraded or something. I, I, I thought it just looked too... It just looked... It didn't look like crisp and clear and all that, so. Okay. Yeah, it looked great for me, for whatever that's worth. I thought it was intentional because of, you know, her age and maybe just having that filter might have, you know, gave her more of a edge of looking younger or something. I thought maybe it was intentional based off of that. Hmm. I didn't really notice it. (laughs) It it looked crystal clear for me. I saw it. But, but I uh, I also noticed it at the beginning of the movie, but I thought it kind of went away at one point yeah. in America. They definitely made Estonia look like a depressing place. That, yeah, I thought I thought that was the aesthetic for the opening because it was supposed to be, oh look, we're in this dreary, murky asylum, and you know we're just trying to increase the the atmosphere, I guess. And uh, Venom to um, it was actually only released, and I believe I read 458 theaters. But it did end up grossing 1.7 million. Oh, I'm glad. So I mean, I'm glad I was able to contribute to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering it's on, it's widely accessible with Paramount Plus, and to still make that kind of money, I'd say that's a success. Definitely. Yeah, I think here it got the one weekend release because I remember. Um, before we record our last episode, um, I had looked up under the coming soon category and it was listed, but by the time I actually watched it on Sunday, it was already like not listed going forward. So they must've given us like a weekend and then say, Hey, if you don't see this weekend, you got to go Paramount plus. That sucks. Yeah. It's still playing out here in LA for whatever that's worth. Well, I'll make the uh, eight-hour drive and uh, get me some. Oh, like you're gonna on watch the- a movie in the theater? You already watched a dope. <laughs> I'm hey. talking to my LA brothers. My, my LA brothers. If you, gotta, if, if you wanna if watch, you got a regal theater, down there. I will. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, is there anything else anyone wants to say before we hit spoilers, though? Um, I'm looking over my notes. Not really. Everything's pretty spoilery. Um. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I don't have anything that's non-spoiler left to say. Okay, yeah, me either. Um, Cool. All right, folks. Well, that is your final spoiler warning. Now, I'm I'm not going to do a traditional walkthrough this week because we have a guest and I want to get Lacey's input on many of these scenes. So um, instead of, um, you know, instead of doing a actual walkthrough, we're just going to kind of talk about some, you know, scenes that were at least favorites or maybe uh, in Don's case scenes that he absolutely hated. Maybe there's one scene in particular that he couldn't stand that kind of put him over the top, uh, you know, so we'll find out. All right, folks. So of course our movie opens, as we've already mentioned multiple times, our movie opens in Estonia. Uh, we are introduced to a, a an art therapy um, uh, or an art therapist. Uh, and I learned something because I had no idea art therapy was a thing. So there you go. Orphan taught me something. Um, we're introduced to this character. Um, it seems like she's there specifically to work with um, Esther, but Esther, she, she is introduced by her real name, and her real name is Lena. They did say her last name in the film, but it's not 
listed here on IMDb, so I don't remember exactly what it was. But yeah, her real name is Lena. It is uh, the movie opens in 2007, which is two years before the events of uh, the original movie. And, you know, she's she's in this prison. I mean, it's more of a mental facility than a prison. I mean, obviously, it's still a prison. They're kept there against their will. But um, like I said, more of a mental facility. Um, one of the main doctor, the head there, uh, instantly talks to her about one particular patient named Lena, who, you know, is a very troubled case. Um, she's hard to keep isolated. She's hard to keep in her room. She's very violent, you know, prone to loud and violent outbursts, things like that. Um, but we haven't seen her yet. Um, the doctor, you like, you like how they, you, I was going to say, you like how they design the story too, that they could potentially make more. Like they they would have to go backwards in time. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously as the actress gets older, they'll have to put in more work de-aging. But like Mm -hmm. I I found it kind of interesting that like they they made sure to time frame it to where like, hey, if this actually does, you know, if it's a successful sequel, uh, maybe we're going to get like orphan pre-kill or something like i don't know what they would call it but well actually um, now that we're talking about that i can go ahead and give you my nitpick uh, i don't like this movie title because when the movie opens esther is already being held in a facility she has already killed people so the only thing that i can figure they're going with is that this is the first family that she's like been adopted with from or been adopted to and then, you know, lashes out against the family. That's the only thing I can figure, because they even say they call her homicidal early in the movie before she's killed anyone on screen. So I kind of have a little issue with the, uh, the title First Kill. I know the original title of the movie was just Esther. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I like that any better, because I do like the orphan title. Um, I'm just questioning the first kill. I think they could have come up with a better subtitle for this one. But exactly. I, I guess they're, they're, they're alluding to her pattern is like she... She gets in with the family and then goes after the dad, usually. And then when that doesn't work out, then the murders start. Something like well, that. I, I thought that for some reason it felt like this was the first instance of that. Like they don't talk about her. They talk, The only thing that they talk about when she's there is that she gets adopted and then she she robs the family's blind. But they did call her homicidal. So she has obviously killed someone, whether it was someone in a family that adopted her or if it was just some random person who tried to molest her, maybe. I don't know. But the point is, she has already killed when this movie starts. So I already have a contention with this title. But it's not a big deal. Minor nitpick, no big deal. Um, And then as our IMDb synopsis says, uh, she does end up escaping from the facility after meeting this art therapy. um, Well, this art therapist. Um, What's funny is that they kind of introduced this art therapist as a uh, almost like she's going to be the protagonist of the film. But then she ends up getting taken out pretty quick. I was actually fairly surprised when she got taken out. So obviously um, Esther escapes. Well, she's still Lena at this point. We'll get into how she got her name here in a little bit. But she leaves. She escapes. uh, She kills. She kills two people on the way out of the hospital. And then she has another inmate kill another guard so three people total die in this scene but this i thought that kill was i thought both those were pretty good the like the stairs stairwell one and the guard one i mean the first one blew my mind because i just would not expect a person of that frame to be able to you know slam the shit out of a full-grown adult male's head into the wall multiple times but there it is it's right there in film so 
Um, so we get a great juicy kill right there. We get some nice arterial spray coming from the guy's head on the wall. She obviously packs up her stuff, is in the process of escaping. You, you explain that like you were a Dexter. Ah, well, I mean, hey. You're like the blood with the finish. spray on the wall. The the, well, the hey, victim's hey, head was back. Right. Also, Julia's head was in Dexter, you guys. I know. As what? Well, Lumen? that's true. Lumen. Season yeah. five. Five. Season five. Yep, I love that season. And I was pissed off at her at the end of the season for what she does to Dexter, but that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like I said, she escapes, um, after she escapes her first visit is, or she ends up, um, hitchhiking a ride in the trunk of the art therapist's car, follows her there to, uh, basically goes to her house with her, is able to sneak into the house because, uh, the woman, not too bright, she opens the door and then the, the, the back of her car door opens, her trunk door opens, and then she leaves her front door wide open to go check what's going on. Of course, there's no one in the trunk. But then later we see that Esther is in her house and takes her out with a crowbar. And she even has a kind of a silly little line here because she hits her once and she thinks that she's dead. But then as Esther is escaping the house or leaving the house, um, the therapist kind of, you know, starts moving and, and, you know, talking to Esther. Esther walks up to her with the crowbar and and says, it usually only takes one hit. And then she hits her like three or four more times, absolutely decimating her. So, Lacey yeah, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. That's what I mean. They set that woman up almost like she's the protagonist, you know? Uh, uh, you know, she's being set up like, you know, Vera Formiga in the first one. But then the fact that she gets taken, it's a great little swerve. It's, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a twist, but it's just great when I see what I think is a main character, it's the scream all over again. You know, it's Drew Barrymore in the opening scene all over again. So I thought that was pretty, just without the star appeal, of course. (laughs) But um, Miss Lacey Liu, what'd you think of the uh, prison escape? uh, Yeah, that's why I'm confused about Dawn saying that she wasn't evil. Like she literally had the security guy wrapped around her fucking finger and got to bring her clothes pretended that she was got him to like fall like for her like was attracted to her gets him to like come into her room to like seduce her she gets on the little chair because she's so fucking short <laughs> dude that shit cracked me up though how she gets up on the chair <laughs> right and it, it, it's odd. like she's she's pure evil like what do you mean dawn like the whole thing just bro. i don't know just the whole thing just felt too contrived like she has to go through all these steps and well, yeah she's gonna she has to plan this what do you well, yeah but i'm just saying is that it, they had to go through all these steps to try to get her out of it and i don't know it's for me yeah okay the brutality is fine but i don't know just the, the scene just didn't really work for me i don't know i don't know maybe it's just because the fact that i we don't get any real build-up as to her involvement here, and it just seems like... What what, 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 do you, what, what more do you need? Well, I'm, that's what I'm saying, is that I don't know why. It just... The, I was watching it, and I just felt, okay, and... But like, it, it just but didn't what really... would you have needed for the scene to work? I mean, it's pretty clear as day that... You know, she's, she's trying to escape. Like, she's, I mean, yeah, okay, she's, she's escaping. She's seducing... She's obviously been seducing this guy for a while to get him to be that comfortable going into that room with her right so uh, i don't know just to, to me everything just felt like it was way too contrived like it was just purposely set up to get her out and i just didn't feel like it was a logical plan 
He he that security guard knew when when Esther pulls that chair up, it's go time. Oh, because yeah. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> I mean, hell, he he was uh, he was in ecstasy just from her touching his face. I mean, they didn't even kiss or anything. So, damn, that poor guy probably hasn't had any in a while, and now he's never going to. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm <laughs> sure there was like reverse grooming going on. I guess. Right? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> guaranteed, guaranteed. They, they they clearly had built like a trust because like she puts her wrist to the thing and she's not like hurting him or anything at that point. So like she's built, I'm, I'm assuming over a period of time, she's built this trust with the security guard and that's how she's able to lure him and get him to do these things for her. And he thinks that she, you know, obviously maybe he works there like overnight. He never sees the light of day. Who the fuck knows? But I, I thought it was, I thought it was a fun uh, way for her to go and when she's walking down those hallways and like um you know ducking and dodging and she's so little like it's it's almost kind of comical though like because like you can tell that when they like a faraway shot of to see her from behind you can totally tell it's not her but <laughs> well yeah yeah that, that, that was my point in in general thoughts i think this one they the way it's written it, they lean into kind of like the absurd like concept of what's going on and the other thing like to Lacey's point saying like well what more do you need I think the other thing is even though it's technically a prequel it's really a sequel so as as the audience watching it we're kind of giving it the charity of the fact that we already know what's going on with Esther right this isn't a this isn't a situation where we need like a half hour 45 minutes to build up her evilness as a character like we know going into this movie she's needs to escape she needs to get out so any when i see these actions happening in the opening scene i guess we would call it you're already uh, to me i'm already kind of giving that charity that like i know she's up to something because i know who the fuck esther is and that she's a devilish little well not even (sighs) her actual little kid but you know she's pretending and all that stuff i don't i don't need to learn that about her at this point well, I guess uh, to, uh, to me, and I'll, I'll say this, this could actually just be a personal preconceived bias against prequels, because I cannot stand the concept of the prequel in general. Like, I cannot find a prequel that I actually think is good, because all of it is is just, it's purposely leading you to something that you've already, you already know. Have like, you looked at Final Destination 5? To me, I actually don't mind that one because it's a hidden prequel. You don't know it is until it until the end. Well, it's still a and, prequel. But the thing is, is that I mean, prequels like Underworld, Rise of the Lichens, or uh, what's that other one? Um, I will I will agree with Don that when you go into a movie not knowing it's a prequel and then find out at the end that it actually is a prequel, I I do tend to enjoy that myself too. Yeah. To me, Final Destination 5 works because you don't know it's a prequel, and then the twist of it is it is a prequel. Right. And, I mean, spoiler alert for that one, but who gives a fuck? <laughs> We're talking about Final Destination 5. But a film Wait, you mean is... you don't love Phantom Menace? No. What? <laughs> no, the idea that, to me, I... I... To me, I've always believed that films always start chronologically older, and everything moves forward from there. You don't start a film in, say, 2019 and say, oh, shit, well, we, you know, even though this film was really good, I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell a story in 2015. Like, why didn't you just start your film in 2015 to begin with? 
Like, why well, would... I think sometimes there are characters that develop in some of these films that it's cool to see more of their background that maybe didn't get as much. I don't like, know. Like, me personally, I would love to see a Mrs. Voorhees prequel. I don't know. I'm not interested in that. I, I really don't give a shit. I would rather, if we're going to do that, then I would rather see the, you know, that be Friday the 13th part one is let's see what Mrs. Voorhees was like and, you know, get the Jason at the very end as, you know, the the catalyst to start the franchise from there. I really don't care. If you're going to start something, I want to see something from the very beginning as the very first film. I, I, I don't like the idea of prequels because it just ruins surprises. You're you're building to something. You're pre, you're already set in stone what your end game has to be, because you're leading into something that we've already seen several years earlier. There's no suspense. There's no surprises. You're automatically geared into driving towards a predetermined end. But that's and, only for one character. We only know the predetermined end for one character in this movie, not everybody. Right. I mean, but, we didn't know what was going to happen at the end. I mean, yeah, we could predict it, but. <laughs> But the thing is, is that it had to be at the end because the beginning of Orphan 1 is her, is her emergence from the fire saying, well, we need a new family to take care of her. Right. Yeah. No. So well, I, for me, I don't know. Just uh, for me, I, I've just I've never enjoyed prequels. I've never liked the concept of them. I, I just I don't find well, anything. Yeah, I, I just I don't find anything interesting about learning more about a character if we could have just done that from the very beginning. I see your point. I definitely see your point. Um, in this particular instance, I don't agree. I, I, I agree with you, I, I would say, most of the time. And, uh, Michael, bite your tongue for bringing up Phantom Menace because everyone knows that Rogue One is the best Star Wars prequel ever made. So, shall Whoa, we get back to Orphan First Rogue. Kill? I love You Rogue actually One. like Rogue One? See? It's got to be good if Mike likes it. <laughs> I love it. It's my either third or fourth best out of the whole saga uh number three for me, two of the star wars and that is phantom menace and attack of the clones well uh oh, oh, i'm sorry <laughs> that's that's the well i was going in chronological order just like don was saying that i should do oh i thought he meant chronological order by the release date not by the events in the film well yeah, yeah. If chronological order like the release of the film it's like i was saying if you're making a movie that's set in 2019 why am I interested in a film that's going to say, okay, well, now I'm going to go back to 2015? That's a valid. That, no, like I said, you're not wrong. You, you know, your, your, your opinions are absolutely valid. And if you don't like prequels, you don't like prequels. There's nothing wrong with that. I do see the inherent issue with prequels because, like Don said, you already know the end for one or maybe more of, of the characters in those particular movies. Um, Rogue One was definitely a huge exception, but again, I'm bringing up Star Wars too much. Um, with this one, I don't know. I, like I said, it's just I, I'm finding it hard to find too much stuff to nitpick about this one. Because for whatever it's worth, it all worked for me. Well, I, and, I think because it hmm? does have a nice tie-in twist that we didn't see coming. Yeah, sure, we could predict the ending 100%, but could we sure. predict what happened in the middle, which is the middle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not 100% correct, definitely. All right, so let's get back to the movie. Um, after Esther makes her escape, uh, she has to get a new alien. Uh, excuse me, when Lena escapes, um, <laughs> she ends up having to find a new alias because obviously everyone in Estonia, this you know small country in Eastern Europe, everyone knows who she is. So let's take care of you know let's get rid of that. 
Um, she's looking through a database of missing of children that have been missing uh, all over the world. She's not just looking at children in Estonia. She's looking at children everywhere. And then, of course, she runs into Esther. Esther is an American child who was um, who was basically pronounced missing four years ago, never found a body, never any, anything else. So Esther decides to go ahead and take the persona of this little girl of an Amer And like I said, Esther is, you know, European. She has a very thick European accent, but she's pretending to be an American girl. Now, obviously, this child, if she actually was the original Esther, then she would have been held in Estonia for four years. And I'm not sure if four years is long enough to affect your accent. It might be. I don't know. I don't think I sound like a surfer, dude. And I've been living in California for 20 years. So mm -hmm. that's another now story. You said, you said this element or what's coming up reminds you of a movie from last year. I think I know what movie you're talking about. Is it a French movie? Nope. Is it um, oh, an shit. American movie different. that nobody liked but me? Is it Last Night in Soho? No, ma'am. Not even close. It's, it, see, you guys are thinking about plot points. It's not a plot point that reminds me about this. It's just the nature of our finale. I'll get when, oh, when we finale. To, okay, then never yeah. mind. Uh, to me, the well, actually, I'll wait till we get to the twist to tell you the movie I was thinking of. But yeah, definitely, absolutely. Because you might not be wrong. I mean, once you say it, I might be like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. But and it, when I say my movie. None of you are probably going to agree with me, but like I said, there's just one particular element that I loved of this movie from last year that reminds me of this movie and made me enjoy this movie also. But, you know, we'll get to that. Anyway, now that Esther has her name, uh, she decides to go ahead and dress up like, like a little girl, you know, puts on the makeup, does the hair, put the, the pigtails, you know, everything else, and uh, basically just sits in a park until an authority figure appears. Uh, a police officer does end up showing up, um, and then he asks her who she is, and the, the scene fades to black, and what ends up happening is uh, the, the Estonian authorities end up sending Esther back to America because, you know, the parents are still, you know, searching for their missing daughter, and, you know, now they they kind of put the pieces together. It's like, oh, she ended up in Russia. She must have been a sex slave or, you know, just, you know, someone stealing children to sell to, you know, Russian families or whatever. Um, so it, it, I guess it made sense to the police and they basically end up just sending her back to America. She's reunited with her perceived family, which in this uh, particular case, it's the Albrights, as Don mentioned earlier. And uh, this is where we see Julia Stiles for the first time. Julia Stiles plays Trisha Albright. She is the, the matriarch of this family. They have one older son and, and Esther. Of course, dad is there too. Dad is an artist. We'll get to that in a little bit. And at this point, you know, Esther is obviously playing a role. She's pretending to be this shy child who hasn't been with her family for four years. Um, when her mother first appears in the same room with Esther, Esther is obviously kind of she, she's pretending to be standoffish and not instantly running to her mother's arms. But after a little bit of coaxing, um, she does go ahead and finally crack a smile and run towards Julia Stiles and hugs her. So it seems like we have a happy family brought together, or at least that's what we think. <laughs> um, later on, we're introduced to the rest of the family. That is Gunner. Gunner is the older brother, kind of your average 17 to 18 year old, you know, kind of party animal douchebag kind of kid. You know, one of the popular kids who only hangs out with other rich popular kids. And 
for some reason, Gunner has an instant disdain for Esther. Like, it, like it almost doesn't make sense. Like, he's just instantly cold to her. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, dude, that's your sister that you haven't seen in four years. So instantly, I start to hate Gunner. But obviously, once we get our twist, all will be explained. Um, well, I just got to back you up one second. Please. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they're on the plane back to the USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets something of a story wrong um, or uh, she's uh, her grandma had died or whatever. And she was like, Oh, I want to see her. Or whatever. And she's like, she died. Remember? And yep. so pissed off. And she like goes to like the bar cart and steals a bottle. A little bottle of vodka. <laughs> Sounds a bottle of vodka. Oh, that was funny. That was great. Yeah. The, the first time when she, when she swiped it, I was like, what the hell is she going to use that for? And she's chugging it. <laughs> and then that's her little freak out thing that she did in the original, you know, to where, and I, it just took me back to like how beloved of a character, although hated she is. And you're just like, I can't wait to see what this little bitch does next. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and at this, and that was the scene where when she, after she downs the vodka and goes back to her mom, that's the first scene where I'm like, what the hell's wrong with mom? You can't smell vodka. It's not like Esther had a bottle of mouthwash with her or something. I mean, trust me, I've drank vodka in the past and then tried to wash my mouth out with just water. It doesn't work, folks. <laughs> you still got vodka on the breath. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm, you know, there's, there's these little nitpicks here and there, little suspensions of disbelief that get you scratching your head. Most of them are taken care of with the twist, but there's still a few of them where I'm just like, uh, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But at the same time, I'm not going to fault the film for that. So um, after Esther meets um, the dad of the family, his name is Alan. Uh, she finds out that Alan is actually an artist and art is something that Esther genuinely loves. Like we see her painting multiple times in, in different scenes in the film, one when she's in prison, another you know, later on. But yeah, when she finds out that her new dad is actually an artist, she's instantly, you know, um, kind of uh, her eyes kind of light up. And when the dad offers her a piece of canvas so that she can draw, you know, she you can see the excitement. She almost has a childlike excitement. It's like one of this is one of the scenes where she's like the most like a child. And and it really, really shows that big beaming smile when dad asks her if she wants a canvas and, and then asks, uh, what do you work in? Watercolor, oil paints, and yeah, it's just that sheer joy in her face. Because this isn't, you know, this isn't Esther, uh, pre- this isn't Lena pretending to be Esther the child. This is Lena just loving art because she actually does love art. And I kind of like that aspect of it. Um, one of the cool things about dad's art is that he works in blacklight. So his. Pictures look a certain way in regular incandescent lighting, but then when you turn on a blacklight, the blacklight ink kind of changes the context of the picture. Not ultraviolet or dark or anything like that, um, kind of like we see in the closing credits, but it, it, it is kind of a cool little thing that Dad does with the, uh, you know, different... He even makes the comment in the movie, which I thought was kind of cool, um, nothing is ever one thing, everything is two things. And then the camera pans to Esther, like, uh huh, she's two things as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so I and it mm-hmm. it's cool because it it links to the original orphan because when they discover all the freaking paintings in a room under the black light, mm-hmm. um, it was a cool tie-in because it's like, okay, this actually gives us like some type of byline to where like where she even learned about using black light and all that stuff. 
Exactly. Yeah, they're definitely this. This movie definitely ties up a few loose ends from the first movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it, it's nothing that like you're gonna see and be like, oh my god, my mind's blown. But it's just, no. it's a little <laughs> bit of like cleverness that you wouldn't expect in like a straight to VOD uh, prequel, right? It's definitely a nod to the fans because you know your average viewer is probably not even gonna notice. But uh, hardcore fans of the original Orphan, are, it, it's a light bulb moment to them. Oh, this is where she learned how to do that paint. So I appreciate stuff like that. As a fan, I appreciate uh, tying up loose ends and sequels. Um, whether it's a prequel or a sequel, the best ones always loose, uh, always tie up loose ends from the original film. So great job with that. Um, let's see. We, we get a scene with Gunner fencing. This is the scene that... I, I just thought it was so pointless. I understand that they were foreshadowing something later in the movie, but why couldn't that event happen without this fencing scene? I didn't need to know Gunner is a fencer. You know, like like if he pulled out a sword at the end of the movie, I wouldn't have been like, oh, what the hell? They didn't set that up. No, no, no. Trust me. It, it, and the scene was just dumb. I hated it. Um, it was just the fakest. I mean, I, I, I actually watch Olympic fencing, and this was like the fakest fencing ever, but whatever. It's a movie. You know, I'll, I'll allow it. Um, so, yeah, remember the, the EP. Uh, the EP is the that's the name of the sword that they use in fencing in official fencing. So um, that night, uh, the parents end up going out because mom has an art exhibit. Dad uh, decides to just leave Esther with Gunner. Gunner, of course, being, you know, the older teenage douchebag that he is, of course, has a party at the house without permission and instantly Esther just starts having back and forths with some of the people. Earlier in the film, she actually had an interaction with one of um, Gunner's friends, but now they're, they're all actually in the house, so she's, like, right there with them. And she, I forget exactly what she says to her brother, like, why don't you go fuck yourself or something? And the whole party just hushes, like, holy shit, this little girl just told her older brother to go fuck himself. It was very much like Gwen in the Black Phone or Mimi from uh, Psycho Gorman, if you want to go that far, so... Um, so yeah, we've already established that mom is oblivious, or at least that's what we think at this point. Uh, brother doesn't like Esther for some reason, which will be revealed. And dad is just happy as punch that his daughter is back. I mean, he's, he's the only, he seems to be the only one in the family up to this point in the film who seems truly elated that Esther is back. Like, he's just so happy that his daughter is back. Early in the film, you can kind of see Mom and Gunner faking their happiness, but it's still kind of very obvious they're faking it, kind of throwing fake smiles on their faces and whatnot. Uh, but Dad is genuinely happy. So. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's so well played because what we find out later, they absolutely have to kind of act like that, even though, you know, to the viewers at the time, if it's your first time watching it through to you it's like well why do they kind of seem off like about all this like what what's going on with them and then of course it leads to what we find out soon yeah like i have multiple as i'm watching the movie for the first time i'm taking my notes and i have multiple notes written here how did mom not notice this how did mom not recognize and it, it's one of those things that i've always been of the assumption that a mother knows her child you can separate i've seen mothers pick out their children after they've been missing for 20 plus years and moms still recognize their children as adults so in this one, there's a, again, there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief, but the, the, the plot twist will kind of fix that, which is nice. So, mm. 
And I know Don doesn't like it, but that's okay. No, I, I'm just saying I, I disagree with that, but we'll get to there. Okay. Um, so where are we at this point? We're at the, yeah, yeah, we, we just had the party. And at this point, a police detective, uh, Detective Donan, uh, played beautifully by Hiro Kanagawa, uh, basically starts almost like suspecting something. Like we actually see him at family events taking pictures of Esther. Like, you know, they're at church or they're out shopping or whatever. We actually see glimpses of him following her and taking pictures with his cell phone. So obviously we've got the first authority figure who's starting to think that something might be off about Esther. So in his, in, in, in his attempt to investigate he ends up coming to the house the night of the party, the night that Gunner's having the party. He's He basically lies and says, oh, I wanted to talk to your dad, but I'm pretty sure the detective knew that they would be at the art exhibit. And while he's there, he basically asks if he could use the bathroom. While he's upstairs using the bathroom, he walks into Esther's room, and he's trying to find something that he can take from the room that would have Esther's fingerprints on it, either Esther's fingerprints on it or the original Esther's fingerprints. Cause obviously this detective mm -hmm. does suspect something. He does end up walking out of the house with a, uh, a record, like a little 45 record that she's been playing since she got back. He is able to pull off a couple of uh, fingerprints off of the record he he obviously he was the police he was the detective that investigated Esther's um, you know disappearance the first time so he actually does have Esther's real the real Esther's fingerprints so like I said it made me he, uh, it made me think of the soda can trick if you guys have seen that movie The Client with Susan Sarandon yeah yeah they the do cop offered the kid a soda can and yeah he yeah. got the fingerprints oh, off they, of they've it. actually caught real life serial killers that way. Um, I, I, I watch a lot of true crime and they've actually had instances where cops will pretend to just be a random guy sitting there and they'll like have a cigarette with a guy that they suspect to be a killer. And then as soon as the killer or the, the suspect drops the cigarette butt and then walks away, the undercover cop will take the cigarette butt, take it to the lab. There have been multiple serial killers that have been caught in that way. One guy was caught because of fingerprints he left on a glass at a bar that he was drinking at. Uh, there were a Damn. couple of instances of guys that were smoking. Um, there was one instance of a guy who um, he chewed tobacco and spit into a cup, you know, like everyone who chews tobacco. Ew. And they took that cup. Because <laughs> so, with that cup, you got fingerprints and DNA. So, I mean, you can get an open and shut case with that shit. But anyway, um, he ends up pulling um, usable fingerprints off of the little 45 record that he took. He then compares them in the computer. He, in, he enters them into a computer. The computer decides that they are not a match, that the two sets of fingerprints are not a match. But at that moment, as soon as he realizes that they're not a match, we realize that Esther is not back at her house. Uh, basically, in a parallel scene happening back in the house, mom walks into Esther's room and uh, the shower is running and the, and the bathroom door is closed. So, of course, mom is going to assume Esther's in the shower. But there's been a book um, that Esther's been carrying that she's been keeping, you know, very close to the chest. Uh, she actually yelled at Julia Stiles' character for trying to look at it earlier in the film. Uh, so this is this is the reveal where, you know, basically mom finds out definitively who this girl is, um, because this book has it's got pictures of previous. Um, it's got pictures of the current family with like mom scratched out. And it, there's 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 like. 
different entries. Obviously, very little bit of it is in English. Most of it is in her traditional language, but so mom can't really read all of it. But it's basically a diary. Let's just say it's a diary with a bunch of evidence inside of it. And inside of this diary, she finds a picture of Detective Donan with his home address on it. And instantly, like, like this is when I started to give mom credit. Instantly, she <laughs> knows Esther is on her way there. I don't know how she knows this, but instantly she knows it. So uh, we were back at uh, Detective Donan's house now, and he, he starts to think that he hears something in his house. He's walking around, looking around. He doesn't find anything, so he sits back at his desk and continues his work. And then we see the shadow coming up behind him. Of course, it's Esther, and she stabs the shit out of him. I think I counted nine stabs. And this is a, this is a, I say little girl, yes, it's an adult woman, but physically it's a little girl. So I'm going to stick with little girl. Here's this little girl with this, uh, I think it's a, uh, like a, it's like a cheese knife that the detective was using to like slice up some lemons or whatever. She pulls it off the wood block and just stabs the shit out of them. Um, she starts looking around his place, looking for maybe evidence that he might have that proves that Esther is not actually Esther. And as Esther is in the process of looking for evidence in the apartment, the detective kind of wakes up. You know, he's not actually fully dead. And Esther, we see Esther grab the knife like she's going to go and finish the job. And then suddenly you hear shots ring out and we see uh, the detective get shot multiple times. And then the final shot goes right through his head. Definitely doing the job. Our detective is done. And when the camera pans back around, it's fucking Mrs. Albright. Yes. Um, fake Esther's mother has decided to intervene and take out this detective. As soon as the camera pans back to her and, you know, to reveal that she's the shooter, Esther goes back to playing a little girl and just looks at her and goes, Mommy? And instantly <laughs> Julia Stiles is like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Or something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> which was great. Well, he, he, the moment that she shot the detective and it just pans to the mom, even in that moment, I didn't realize the mom was on to everything. I just thought, holy yeah. shit, she's a crazy ass protective mom. And then exactly. when she, when she says something to Esther and then we get the next scene where they're sitting down together talking, that's when I was like, Oh shit. Like she knew this shit the whole, well, she knew something, well, she knew it wasn't who she was claiming to be. Yeah, for obvious the reasons. Whole time. And, and we mm. might as well get to it right now. So, yeah, right yeah. after the detective is shot, Esther and um, Trisha sit down. And basically, this is where Trisha starts talking about how she's incredibly protective and that she'll do anything, including kill, to protect her family. And then she makes the comment of, this isn't the first time. I've had to do something to protect my family. And that's when we get the reveal that the original Esther is not missing. She was killed. Apparently uh, she got into a scuffle with her older brother, Gunner and Gunner somehow accidentally killed her, maybe purposely killed her. They don't really make it plainly obvious in the movie. Um, she first, alludes to like, they were horsing around. Like, yeah. Siblings it, was like, it was like a form of around. like, Sibling roughhousing or something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But obviously, you know, it's a little girl, so you got to be a little bit more careful. So anyway, yeah, as it turns out, Gunner accidentally killed his sister, his real sister, Esther. And to protect Gunner, Trisha, his mom, takes Esther's body, basically cleans up the scene, gets rid of all the evidence, dumps the body in a well. 
um, I, a well that I guess is on their property. And when I say their property, they live in a big house with a lot of property around it. It's not like they're in the suburbs or something. So um, we, we definitely, I, without her even saying anything, we can all assume that the real Esther is probably at the bottom of the same well that mm-hmm. they just dumped the police detective. And then they actually, yeah. I, I think Esther actually even asks her, did you throw Esther down there? And I and mom, I don't think says yes, but she does pretty much allude to yeah, that's her final resting she, place. She, mm-hmm. she, the way she reacts, she says, "Don't ever say my daughter's name," which pretty much confirms yeah, she's yes. down there. Yeah. But uh, this, uh, yeah. this this plot point where the mom figures out kind of what's up and goes along with it, the movie it reminded me of from last year was Titan because you remember the lead chick. Sure. When she's when she's on the run, she sees the missing boy uh, poster, pretends to be him. The mom kind of knows what's going up, but kind of makes the same point of like when the son went missing, the dad kind of went into a depressive state, not himself. And just the fact that he thinks that his son is back has made uh, like him different and like back to somewhat of his normal self. So it was like they kind of had that element in this where like Julia Stiles was like, Hey, uh, as long as he thinks that his daughter Esther's back, we're going to fucking run with it. And you're going to be a part. Like it was so good. I thought like, it's like, Oh my God, this is going to set up such a fucking ridiculous, like rest of the run of the movie. But like I said, that's why I felt this movie understood. Like we're just going to lean into it and make it even more absurd. And I, I loved it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it basically, like, Esther becomes, like, the anti-hero, and you start to root for her in this capacity. Yeah, uh, which I'm not always a fan of. Um, most recently, Three from Hell, uh, the yeah. final act of Three from Hell, when they tried to make the Firefly family, you know, kind of heroes, I, I hated that. I hated it with a passion. I didn't hate it here, because at no point did I feel like they were necessarily trying to make her a protagonist. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because of the movie that it reminds me of. Um, last year's movie, Don't Breathe 2, which everybody oh, hated, but I fucking loved because <laughs> the whole third act is just hot villain on villain action. Like there's there's no innocent people whatsoever involved in the finale of Don't Breathe 2. So no matter who dies, a piece of shit is going to die. So it's like, it's awesome. And I felt the same way here. Once we got the reveal and I realized that pretty much everyone in this movie is an antagonist. It, it, it just, it, it basically started the roller coaster ride feel of it where I'm just like eating my popcorn, like, Ooh, ooh who's going to kill who? Who's going to kill who? And obviously it's a prequel. We already know Esther's, you know, predetermined end. Uh, but obviously it's a matter of, you know, is Esther going to take out this whole family? Are one or two of them going to survive and set up a third movie? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, there's still thoughts like that going through my head. Don, did you want to say something about the twist while we were here? Yeah. Um, so for me, the whole thing is she knows that he's been de- that she that the mother knows that Esther's the real Esther's been dead the entire time. You're not going to confront her about it. Like, I know what game you're playing. I, She's, you know, dead the entire time. Why are you pretending to be my daughter? Well, yeah, she's, she wants to protect but, herself as well. But the thing is, is that if you know from the very beginning that your daughter is dead and there's this girl who suddenly shows up pretending to be her, you're not going to confront her about it? 
I, I mean, she kind of explains it in the movie that because of the fact that dad is so happy and back to back to being the original dad that she married, she's not going to say anything. Just like what Mike was saying with Titan. It, it, it's a it's a beautiful analogy. I, I didn't actually think of it while I was watching it, but it's 100 percent valid when, you know, some people are willing to accept a slight untruth because it's it's going to make someone else happy. I mean, how many times do we tell little white lies to our loved ones you know, to kind of soften the blow of something hard that they don't need to know about, whatever the case okay, is. Yeah, and I, okay, okay. I always... Okay, go, go ahead, Don. Go ahead, no. Okay, okay. I, I was just going to say, I always felt... Sorry, from the from the tone and the way the brother and Julia Stiles were kind of acting towards her, I always kind of felt, like, especially in retrospect, after the second watch, to me, they were always kind of had an eye on her. Like they know because we now know what they knew the whole time. If you watch it a second time, they are definitely they have an eye and ear on her at all time because they're like, we know that it's not really her. So what the fuck is up with like her? Now, they don't blow the whole situation up because then it would ruin the whole you know, dad being happy. The daughter's back. But you notice like Julius, like there's multiple scenes where. Uh, Esther will be like doing something off alone with the dad and Julius Dowles is watching from afar. Now in any other movie they would do, they would be like, Oh, she's jealous of, of, of a love triangle for forming. And you're probably made to assume that in this movie too. But in reality it's because she knows it's not the fucking daughter. So she's always kind of keeping an eye to see what's this girl's scam. And that's why like, uh, she, when they do have the conversation, she's like, well, you could have just robbed us. Like, I feel like through the exposition in that scene, they're kind yeah. of explaining like why we are where we are and why she didn't immediately, the day she got home in their home or into their house, she didn't immediately confront her because then the whole situation would have been blown up. And then she didn't want that. Okay. Well, even Julia Stiles says like after the reveal or whatever, um, she even says, um, God, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'll come back to it. Go ahead, guys. She did say you signed up for this. Now you're going to follow through or something like that. I remember that part. Yeah. Okay. Well, then here's the, here's the second thing. If all of that is true, why did the film make it seem like the mother finding the diary was the final piece in the coffin to put all the all all of it together? Because it makes it out as if she's uncovering everything and using the diary, putting all the pieces together. Right. Well, that's for the benefit of first time watchers. I mean, you can't tip your hat too early. Yeah. But the thing um, is, is that the mother treats the film treats it as if the mother finding the diary fits everything together. She should just look at it and well, be like, damn it. I don't think I don't think the diary puts everything together. It just let her know where Esther was going when she found that page with the because don't forget, the diary was in Estonian. Mom doesn't read Russian to our knowledge. So but she's I, only but looking but at the I'm, pictures. But well, I'm, this I'm still saying she's still no, against her later. But the thing is, OK, but here's the thing. She knows from the very beginning. Why would she even need the diary to begin with? She didn't need the diary to know that Esther was full of shit. She needed the diary to know where Esther was going. Don't yes, forget. Well, she no, found she, the, the detective's address written down in the diary. So instantly she knew where she was going. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think you might be putting a little bit too much credit or discredit on mom thinking that the diary was like uh, the MacGuffin of the movie. I don't think it was. 
I mean, mom obviously knows it's not Esther from the beginning, from the very beginning, but she is very curious as to what this girl is trying to pull. What's the scam, like Mike said. So I think think she's she's okay letting Esther live in the house because she hasn't done anything malicious to anyone yet, and it's making her husband happy. And she even talks about how her husband's actually fucking her again after, you know, years of almost nothing. And uh, almost throws it in her face after she kind of figures out that Esther is in love with dad, you know, kind of a carbon copy of the first movie once again. But obviously it's not as big of a reveal. Like we know Esther is probably going to make a play at dad almost almost from that first scene of them interacting together in the in the art room. We we can already pretty much tell Esther is going to make a play for this dad. So. Um, Well, she also made reference to the fact that when. um, Um. when she got there, whatever, she was like, so what's your play here uh, that you would make it look like an accident from a year from now? Like, Julia Stiles knew what kind of person she was, but she just needed the proof as yep. what, well, you know? So, I mean, so saying that line, I think that justifies her actions throughout, but she's also protecting her secret and she needs kind of leverage for that against her. Yeah. So like, I think that's the ultimate answer for Don's question of why... Yeah. Uh, she allows Esther to stay because if she questions her, she's absolutely going to be tipping her own hat because they're going to be like, well, why don't you trust that this is your daughter? She obviously looks like her. She's claiming she's your daughter. Why don't you think it's your daughter? And obviously she can't admit why she knows it's not her daughter. So I think, I think Lacey's right. It's more a a self-protection act. She's just trying to protect her own interest and her son too, because technically she didn't kill Esther. uh, Gunner did. She just hit the body. So Right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, like I said, I, you know, there, there's going to be people that have uh, contentious issues with this movie and ultimately nobody's wrong. Um, you know, Don, obviously the movie obviously doesn't resonate with Don the way it resonated with the rest of us. And there's nothing wrong with that ultimately. Um, but yeah, for whatever it's worth, um, I, I'm okay with the story. I'm okay with how the plot points went. I'm not really, Like, once the movie was over, I wasn't scratching my head, well, how about this, and how about that? I mean, there were little nitpicks here and there, obviously, but, you know, ultimately, little nitpicks aren't going to bring the score of a movie down. It's the big issues, like Don's, you know, unforgivable (laughs) faux pas. Stuff like that is what's going to bring a rating for a movie down. But, yeah. Uh, So let's see, where are we? So we've got our reveal. Um, We obviously, and then obviously mom speaks to Gunner, lets her know that, uh, you know, the whole deal with Esther, because obviously Gunner knows it's not Esther too, but he's still kind of in the dark on what her scheme was and everything else. Mom clues him in, lets him know that, you know, they're basically going to keep going with with the act for as long as, you know, humanly possible. Basically until Esther starts doing shit that mom doesn't like, she's going to let the status quo stay. And obviously for the benefit of dad, um, you know, Gunner and uh, Gunner and Esther have, you know, little interactions here and there, obviously with Gunner knowing that she's not the real Esther and that she's actually a fucking adult. He starts treating her even worse than he already was calling her a freak and everything else, which obviously leads to our next scene where dad is um, he's going away. He's taking a train out of town Um, I think also, uh, yeah, another art exhibit. Basically, it's another art exhibit. This time, Dad is showing off his art in a gallery that's outside of their hometown. So we see him taking a train out of town. Esther 
does actually make an attempt, and I thought she was going to be successful too, but uh, actually went to make an attempt to kill Gunner and uh, Trisha. Basically, uh, Esther had like the art tube, you know, the tube that you know artists will travel with their art in. She has the mm-hmm. tube, and she walks up behind both Gunner and Trish with the you know with the with the with the tube held horizontally so that she can basically walk up behind both of them and push them into the oncoming train that's coming down unfortunately well fortunately or unfortunately depending on who you're rooting for in this movie um a, a total stranger ends up running into Esther just before she makes contact with uh Trisha and Gunner but right after, you know, the stranger bumps into her, they both realize exactly what's happening. Julia even says, oh, you thought you could kill me? Yeah, fuck this. You know, we're done. And basically she even says, you're going to die. She actually says the words to a 30-year-old psychopath, you're going to die, which was such a horrendous mistake in my opinion. It's like, why would you even say those words? Let her think that everything is normal and then put a bullet in her head. So much easier. Um, but obviously, mom has to hide her tracks if if Esther, you know, if they're going to pretend that Esther has been killed, they got to make it look like an accident or they have to do the whole Esther is missing all over again, which is going to throw suspicion on a family. Don't forget, families don't have the same child abducted twice. That's I don't, I, I don't know if that's ever happened. I'm sure it has, but it's such a rarity that I can't imagine it's it's common. So, you know, that's obviously if if this Esther now disappears it's going to throw suspicion on the family. So anyway, the point is, is that once they get back home, uh, back to the house, dad is gone. Dad is on the train uh, going to um, going to wherever it is he's going. At the same time, Esther runs, you know, runs away from gets out of the house, uh, actually takes uh, the mom's car, takes Trisha's SUV and just starts driving away. Drive, drive, drive. At one point, as she's driving away, she ends up getting pulled over by a police officer. So rather than play the child role, she actually messes up her hair, puts on sunglasses, puts on lipstick because she's going to try to seduce the officer, of course. And as the officer approaches the window, we see it is a female and Esther is not going to do anything with this cop. Um, But the cop knows that it's Esther. Uh, She actually walks up to the window and says, "Uh, so are you, Esther? And instantly they realize, you know, that she's a runaway. They basically treat it as a runaway. They return her to the house. And then this is where we get our big finale. Uh, Once she's back at the house, literally as soon as they close the front door and they're back in the house, it just starts the big cat and mouse chase. Um, you know, Trisha and Gunner are trying to catch Esther to kill her. They've made the decision that they're just going to get rid of her. Um, at one point, Gunner throws Esther down a set of stairs. And for a second, they think that Esther's dead. And mom is instantly pissed off at Gunner because she's like, how the hell are we going to play this off, you idiot? You can't just throw her downstairs. But then in the midst of them arguing with each other, Gunner looks downstairs and Esther's gone. Her body's gone. Well, up her body. She obviously isn't dead, but yeah, she's now gone. And, you know, basically now it's a cat and mouse game. Gunner is chasing her around uh, the house with the broken fencing sword that he had broken in the uh, fencing scene earlier in the film. And Esther eventually just ends up getting the upper hand on him and once again stabbing the living shit out of this guy with a broken fencing sword. Again, I think I counted nine to ten stabs. Just stab, 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 stab. Fucking great. In the process of Esther killing Gunner, 
Trisha comes up to uh, to the, comes into the art room because that's uh, that's the room where Esther kills Gunner. They end up having their little back and forth. You know, there, there, there's a struggle. And I got to say, I don't know if this is going to come off as sexist. And if it does, I totally apologize. I don't think it is. But anyway, this is the best girl on girl fight in a house I've seen since the hunt. Do you guys remember the finale of the hunt? That spectacular girl on girl fight scene at the end. This one wasn't as good, but it's the best one I've seen yeah. since. I thought it was really cool because, I mean, it's not a quick fight, even though it's a full ass grown woman against basically a child. It's a fairly even fight. They're both getting blows in. They're both, you know, able to escape the other's grasp when they think they have the situation in hand. And basically they have they, they end up having a little altercation in the kitchen. And as Esther escapes the kitchen, she accidentally bumps the burner and turns the burner on on the stove. Apparently, this family keeps oily rags near the stove because instantly the whole kitchen starts going up in flames. Esther is being chased upstairs by uh, Trish. Obviously, the wrong thing to do when your house is on fire, but whatever. And they end up getting up to the roof. There's a little bit of an altercation there where, uh, you know, they're going back and forth. Finally, they get to a point where they're both hanging off a ledge. They're both hanging off the the edge of their roof and dad shows up dad ended up having a bad feeling about um esther and what was happening because he ended up finding out that esther ran away and stole that car because the police called them so he decides to leave the art exhibit come back home and right when he pulls up literally he sees his house is engulfed in flame and his wife and daughter are hanging from the edge of the roof about three stories above him he ends up obviously running into the house, fire and everything, running up to the top, uh, up to the roof. And he gets up to, he gets up there and it seems like he can only save one of them. He doesn't have the strength to hold them both up. Obviously mom instantly tells him she's not Esther. She's an adult. She's pretending to be our child, blah, blah, blah. While Esther in her little girl voice is saying, daddy, daddy, help me. Mommy tried to hurt me. Um, so obviously it's, you know, wife against daughter for the for the dad's affection. And obviously, you know, the obvious choice is made. He ends up picking Esther. He saves Esther in the process of saving Esther. Trisha loses her grip on the roof, falls down to the ground and her head actually hits the curb. And we get a great coconut cracking sound effect and a beautiful little blood spurt. Almost as cool as the, the first kill in the movie with the security guard. But this one is still, you know, obviously because of who Julia Stiles' character ended up becoming, it's a very satisfying kill. It's pretty awesome. Um, so after mom is dead, um, dad helps Esther up off the roof. And as he's helping her up off the roof, her fake teeth fall out. You guys, I'm sure fans of the original know that Esther wears dentures. Because um, yeah, her real teeth kind of like are... squeezed her face. Yeah, he basically he, like, was like, squeezed so, her and he's like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, it yeah. was so funny the way he said it. <laughs> it really was, yeah. And then at that moment, Esther basically professes her love for him, says, no, no, uh, you know, we can be together. We can be happy. You know, Gunner and Trish are gone. You know, we can live a new life. And dad, of course, you know, he just lost his wife and son, um, just now found out that the daughter that he thought was his daughter is not his daughter. It's actually a 30-year-old psychopath. 
And dad instantly brushes her off. Just like, no, no, I have no, stop it. You're a psycho. You're psycho. I, I forget his exact words, but he basically starts throwing insults at her. Eventually he tries to grab her and then he himself slips off the roof. He falls and his body lands right next to his wife. We don't get the satisfying head splat, but that's because dad is probably the only likable character in this whole movie and the detective. The detective was pretty cool too, but otherwise almost everybody in this movie is a piece of shit. So, um, and yeah, that is our movie. That is orphan first kill 2022. Ah, here. What'd you think? The ending um, of when he has to choose, it's very um, reminiscent of the good son. Absolutely. Yep. You know, um, it definitely reminded me of that. And when they're on top of the roof, it also kind of reminded me of So I Married an Axe Murderer a little bit. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. No, you're right. <laughs> and a little bit of people under the stairs-ish. Um, but, yeah, no, I had a really fun time with this finale. I thought it was, as you said, satisfactory when Julia Stiles' head just went splat. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. That was like a good... <laughs> good little hit right there yeah i think it's one of the best deaths of the year in my opinion pretty i mean i can think of a definitely satisfying i would but yeah but sad because of who the character is it's probably the most satisfying death of uh, the year i'll go with that but yeah Yeah. like i said when i brought up the don't breathe two comparison it wasn't plot points it was just the fact that the whole third act is just hot villain on villain action and you don't give a shit who dies you're, you're like i'm not rooting for anybody here i just want to see some goddamn bloodshed and we get it i mean like i said esther fucking destroys gunner throws or, or not throws but you know obviously mom falls off the the roof and her head goes splat and then dad of course the only probably you know him and the detective are the only sad deaths of the movie because ultimately just like every cop in a movie, he's only doing his job and he's obviously doing his job well because now Esther is on his radar. So, um, but yeah, uh, like I said, a very satisfying movie to me. And I 100% agree with Lacey's statement from earlier. This movie has no right to be as good as it is. I know not everyone's going to agree with us. I'm seeing even on IMDb, I'm seeing like one and two star reviews and, you know, ultimately everyone's entitled to their opinion. The movie's not going to resonate with everybody, but yeah, it it seems like if you're a fan of the first, you're going to be a fan of the second. So there's no reason not to check it out if you haven't already. Yeah. I, um, I just want to say that like Isabel Furman is obviously great as Esther, but Julia Stiles stole the fucking show for me with, Uh, with her dialogue, especially like how mean she is to Esther. Dude, once once that reveal happens, I swear every scene her and Esther in together from the rest of the movie, they give Julia Stiles like a different little person stereotypical like insult to say. Yeah, like she she calls her like a crazy psycho dwarf. She says something (laughs) like else about like I I forgot like the other thing she says, but it was cracking me up because I'm like, damn, they they just wrote it like cold hearted. (laughs) Like it was great. Yeah, I fucking love it. Yeah. And then, of course, we get our final end credit sequence, which uh, utilizes the black light art that dad was kind of showing off. But the art used in the closing credits is much more darker and grim than the stuff that dad was producing. And I I did kind of like that. I I like that end credit sequence. I like when they actually put effort into credit sequences. Yeah. And I mean, I I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but the way they put this, you said it was only two years before the events. I believe so. Um, I mean, maybe by the end of this movie, it's only one year, but 
I mean, the, the well, movie starts in 2007, and the original. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The fact that they the story of this movie begins in the asylum, I mean, that kind of gives them a free license to do like even a further prequel to say, well, how'd she get caught in the first place and put in the asylum and all that? Yeah, but I mean, this is the first instance of her killing out a family, and I think that's the nature of this franchise. If we if if we get yet another prequel, it's just going to basically be adult, you know, um, adult Lena, I guess is her real name, adult Lena basically just scamming people and then eventually, you know, ending up killing someone. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say have, I don't want to see they're it. They're just going to have to secretly... I'll, I'll, I'll give you a deal. How about they just secretly scrub the subtitle of this movie and change it to something better, and then uh, she can go ahead and kill in the next one. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> like I said, I, I, yeah, I definitely have an issue with that first kill title. I wish it would have said something like first family or first adoption or just something like that, because first kill is a misnomer. It, that's not correct. She is already killed by the time this movie is started, but, you know, whatever. It's a minor nitpick. It's not going to affect my eventual rating of the movie at the end of the year. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and I let, was definitely kind of... Um... I, w- I was a little weary because originally I believe the release date was supposed to be like January. January 26th. And so anytime you get like a pushback, um, you know, it obviously makes you more um, skeptical. Yeah. yeah. And and we, we brought it up several times on like past episodes of Fresh Cuts. It wasn't like just a like a normal pushback where they're like, okay, it's getting pushed back to this date. It like fell off the face of the earth. It was like yeah. there was well, no was, announcement or anything. That's what I was saying. I still never thought that this movie actually was filmed. I thought it was just internet wishful thinking. Oh, that's right. Don lost the bet. He owes yeah. somebody five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. I'm, well, and the pushback well, wasn't really even announced until it was supposed year. to come. Well, I mean, the original the original date was January 26th, and then January 26th comes and goes with nothing, yeah. like no word about it whatsoever. So. I was almost starting to believe, Don, that the movie was just a rumor, that they didn't actually do it, but here we are. That's what I'm saying, is that, I mean, when we get we get the original release date, but then there's no trailer, like, in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, like, as far back as, like, December, I, like, I'd never even remember, like, okay, well, the, the film's coming out the end of next month, you'd start seeing trailers and stuff for it. We haven't even heard, seen anything, we haven't even seen a bit of footage, Has like the is, like, there even actually a film? I mean, the only thing we, you know, there, I didn't even remember if like any of the posters or anything were like from like official sources. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I, I've seen them around. I just, I never assumed that there was any of them were like, you know, official true posters and that, you know, the entire project was just like a fan made thing on the internet. Sure. All right. Well, speaking of the internet, uh, I think we should let everyone else know where we can be heard on the internet. So let's go around the cast to find out, Venom, what you got. All right. On our, our latest episode of uh, No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Features is still episode 11, but we are literally two days away from finally recording episode 12. Um, unfortunately, like I said earlier, it got delayed uh, because of the podcast Under the Stairs summer series. But now that my responsibilities for that series are done, Uh, I was able to get back to watching everything. So, yes, in a couple of days, we'll be uh, recording our one-year anniversary episode of Creature Comforts. It will also be our first um, Fantasia Fest 
episode uh, kind of special where we look at some movies, uh, kaiju and creature features that haven't been released yet. And we're going to we're going to give you some spoiler free reviews because none of the films that, to my knowledge, have been re- uh, released in this country. So it's going to be it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, you know, we're not going to have the normal breakdown of the films that we always do, but I think it's going to be fun. Uh, we got three movies to talk about this time, so that should be good. So check that out. That'll be Creature Comforts, episode 12. On the main show, No More Room in Hell, episode 47 is still our latest episode where we looked at two classic haunted house films, um, House on Haunted Hill and The Haunting. Next episode of the main show, No More Room in Hell, will involve facial surgery trauma where we will look at 1960s Eyes Without a Face, and 2015's Good Night, Mommy, two films where main characters have facial surgery, accidents, trauma, whatever you want to go with. I just like when people's faces get fucked up in horror movies, so <laughs> it's just one of those things I enjoy. Um, let's see, what else we got? On uh, on the last episode of Fresh Cuts, we've... Or wait, did we make the announcement on Fresh Cuts, Mike, or was that another show? <laughs> no, you did, because I was there yesterday. Okay, cool. So, yeah, we did announce uh, Mike and I, our new venture in the No More Room in Hell family is called The Crystal Lake Gift Shop. And what that show will be is an episode-by-episode retrospective of the Friday the 13th series that aired from 1988 to 1990. We have our first guest lined up, Mr. Doug Tilly from... Uh, Two Drink Minimum and Theme Warriors, the formerly Theme Warriors. Uh, I shed a little tear for that one. And um, uh, that should be getting recorded later this week. So I have no idea how, you know, when we're going to put out that episode. We might just put it out on a week when there's no, no other No More Room in Hell content being released other than Fresh Cuts, of course. And let's see, um, I mentioned the Summer Series. I completed my guest spots on the Summer Series. Uh, I got to work with Miss Lacey Liu on The Twos, which is, of course, 1972, 82, 92, and 2002. And uh, last week, I recorded the final episodes for my responsibility, which were the sixes, 76, 86, 96, and 06. So check out those episodes, the 72, the, the Twos, those episodes have been released already. The sixes should be out, I believe, either this week or next. I'm not sure, but it'll be really soon, so check that out. Um, and I think that's about it for me, Mike. All right, Don, how about you? Yeah, um, as mentioned, uh, Creature Comforts. Uh, looking forward to sharing that with the guys. Um, I do have a uh, guest spot available. Um, as of you hear, the time you hear this, um, my guest spot on the Nightclub podcast uh, should be out there and available. Um, I was on there and I joined the guys looking at Sharknado. So uh, delayed Shark Week kind of a feature venture, but, uh, you know, better late than ever. And uh, I, I can't wait to you guys hear this one because that one was a lot of fun and uh it turned out to be a much more uh enjoyable time than i thought because i'd never worked with them before um they were just friends of mine that i I promote and got to uh work with them so that was a a blast and uh we can't wait for you guys to hear that one and then uh the latest episode of uh, the horror countdown podcast is uh out now i look at um what the uh, the guest host on the show deemed hardcore horror, but um, is actually extreme horror. So uh, your Serbian films, Cannibal Holocaust, Smarters, you know, um, all that good stuff. So uh, that is uh, out and available. I 
think that's it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's um, all of my ventures. All right, and now to our guest, Lacey Liu. Uh, people should be familiar with your stuff, but just in case they need a refresher, tell us what you got. Um, everything is under uh, our main show, Cut to the Chase. Um, we are going to be bringing back some cartoon commentaries. Um, we will be starting to record our uh, Thrills and Chills coming up. Uh, for October. It's our season four. I'm sure a couple of you guys will be back to guest with us this year if you still want. Um, we got to finish our Simpsons as well. Uh, yeah. For the four. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're very excited to get going on that and kind of just try to get it done sooner so then we're not scrambling at the last minute. Um, so yeah, uh, we have that coming up for Cut to the Chase. And um, then I have, right now I have five interviews for Skip Salou um, in my backlog uh, that we'll be releasing within the next week. And then for the last 20, uh, last week we released the last 20 minutes of our review of the movie The Mist. And this week we will actually be covering the original Orphan. So um, <laughs> can't get enough of that. And then uh, Summer Party Massacre uh, with Nikki Carly uh Rebecca, Heather, and my real sister, Nikki, um, just released episode 19, and that's where we did Second Chances. So we talked about uh, things that we gave either someone or something a second chance to for our Girl Talk segment for Pella Fight, movies that we'd only seen one time, um, but we didn't like. So we're giving it a second chance, and movies talked about on that were It Follows, uh, Superstition, um, Lords of Chaos. Um, God, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, what the Water's Left Behind and uh, A Dark Song. And so then we debated all that. And some we like more and others we didn't. So it'll be interesting for everybody to see if they agree with us or not on that. And then um, for our feature presentation, we covered the Stephen King adaptation. Sometimes they come back. And that just dropped today. And then we record our next one, which will be uh, back to school. And this time it'll be all uh, movies from our graduation years. Sweet. Love the gimmick on that one. Actually, you guys, I mean, you guys always come up with good gimmicks for your, for your movie themes to pick. But uh, yeah, I, I listened to that today, actually. And I listened to the last 20 on the mist. I think... When did I listen to that one? Maybe Friday. I don't know. But I did listen to it because The Mist is great. And that last, you know, the finale of that movie is, you know, it's one of those type of finales. So I was interested to see, like, what you guys would think about it. But uh, all that is fun stuff. So everyone check that out. Uh, as far as I go, the only thing I think not mentioned by Venom which I can now officially say is not the latest uh, No More Room and I'll present uh, sidecast because we're starting up the uh, Friday the 13th series one. So uh, uh, the latest episode of Watch This Movie, Mike, is with uh, guest Brian Sammons. Get to talk to him a little bit about, you know, how he got into what he does with horror, Lovecraft, all that kind of stuff. And then he chose Friday the 13th for the final chapter for us to talk about. So we get into that movie. He explains why he picked it and all that good stuff so listen to that all our stuff can be heard on dark discussions network or if you prefer youtube just look up no more room in hell 
YouTube channel, which features most of it. Uh, I think we're in the process of trying to figure out how to get uh, Creature Comforts on there. Once we figure out how to do the formatting and everything, uh, I'll probably be throwing that one up there too. So just a matter of time. Sometimes you got to figure out like the tech between everything when we're all using different systems and files. Or your, or your co-host that, so. is just lazy. One or the other. Uh, could be that too. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't say any, I, I won't say I won't say any of that, but uh, <laughs> but uh, Lacey, thanks a lot for coming back. It was a blast. I'm glad you finally got on here with a movie you didn't hate. Um, <laughs> not 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 that you weren't justified in hating those movies that you've been on because yeah, I don't know if good, I've but... ever liked a movie that I've been on this show for. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing about this one, it, it was a toss up because with with a with a movie like Orphan that was like a surprisingly good movie, you never know. It's like are they just phoning in a sequel just because? But you know, I'm glad that uh, you ended up liking it, and we're actually able to say favorable things of a movie on here. But uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost no notice too, right? <laughs> Cool. Well, everyone, check out everything from Venom, Don, Lacey, and myself. But as far as this episode of Fresh Cuts goes, we are done. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We will catch you back here in about a week's time with the next episode. Until then, let's say bye to the listeners. Bye. Later. Don't kill your own children. That's just wrong. (laughs) Peace.